Good evening, everyone. Hope y'all can hear me. Um, we are here for Tuesday at the table. I'd like to welcome everybody that's here in the audience and also welcome everybody out there that is in Facebook Live Land and Streaming Live Land and all the over the airwaves. Uh, we're going to study God's Word and we're going to be in one of my favorite chapters of the whole Bible today. And uh, I love this and the whole thing about it is listening to a pastor the last several weeks and him talking about our foundation and our the and of faith um this really struck me that we're gonna jump into it and before but before we do let's go to the lord in prayer heavenly father right now we just come before you first and foremost just worshiping you lifting you up lord we thank you and we praise you we give you all the honor and glory Lord, I just ask right now that you would set me aside, that your words would come forth, that you would speak from this scripture. God breathed scripture, that you would speak to each and every one of us, that you would open our eyes, ears, and hearts to what you want to say to us today. Lord, I just pray that you would just be with us in our comings and goings and return us back here Sunday for our service, Lord, as we come together as a family. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Like I said, I really like where Pastor's going. He's got us talking about faith, which is the foundation of what of everything. And this is today I want to talk about our foundation also, and that is of Jesus. Jesus is the foundation. Jesus is the rock. Jesus is everything if my phone would turn right. So I got scripture here. I got scripture on my phone. And then that's why I don't like this new phone stuff. I want us first to go to Mark 16. Go to Mark 16. I mean Matthew 16. Why did I say Mark? Matthew 16. And I want to read something real quick. Back that up, Matthew 15. Again, that's reading on a phone. It says, then he asked them, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. I want to get to the understanding right there because of how we interpret and everything in the English language likes to run together like there. He's not saying that the church is being built on the back of Peter. He just named Peter the rock, but he's saying that what it is him, what Peter proclaimed is going to be the rock, that there is a living Messiah, that he has come, and that is what our whole faith should be based on, that we have faith, as pastor's been talking about, that we have faith in him, that he is our Savior. He is the Son of God. So many people, uh, non-Christian, they believe in Jesus. They think, think he was a great philosopher. No, he was our, he's a living, breathing on the right hand of the Father right now, third, I mean, second part of the Trinity. He is our Jesus. He is our Savior. And again, pastor's been talking about foundation, and good foundation means it's got to be solid, and that means that the rock that was proclaimed is solid, and everything can be built up from there in the Christian world and in our walk. We were having an interesting discussion. We were talking about different things out in the out in the foyer earlier. And a lot of people like to start building off the rock, and that's why they start getting shifty. And things start shifting and things collapse. They don't keep it Christ-centered. Everything needs to stay Christ-centered. Our faith needs to be in him and Christ-centered. One thing I can tell you, we start looking more toward, you know, I don't know the his. I 
don't really know the complete history of Destiny Church. I don't know what happened when the last pastor left and when Pastor G.J. took over. But if I know churches and I know people, I got the feeling some people left. That's not being on the foundation. That's not staying on the rock. We have to keep our foundation solid. We start building off over here. We got to understand that it's not a person we follow. It's Jesus. It's not a denomination. It's Jesus. It's not a doctrine. It's God's word. There's a big difference in people's doctrine and God's word. God's word is God's word. Doctrine can change from left to right. We have many denominations in the last 15 years, 20 to, I mean, 20 to 15 years that have adopted some things that are not biblical. And they're major denominations in this world. And they are actually against Bible. That's doctrine. We don't look toward doctrine. We look toward God's word. And that's going to lead us right to where we are. John 1. John 1, 1. Let's get a little background first. John. Who is John? John's the beloved. John is the one he loved. John, if you know a little bit about his book, he never refers to himself. He will only always say the beloved or the one he loved or the one who loved him. He will never, he'll always talk almost like in third person. He never addresses his own self in here, in his scripture. You got to understand, John was also an 18-year-old teenager. He wasn't a doctor, Luke. He wasn't a, a, a tax man. He wasn't none of this stuff. He was an 18-year-old kid. He wasn't a seasoned fisherman like Peter. He was an 18-year-old kid. He knew how to fish. He knew how to do, but he was still, he was 18. He wasn't, a, a, hadn't gone through all sorts of things, hadn't, but he was still a younger, and he had younger eyes. That is why there is such a difference in the book of John. John wrote this as a remembering perspective. I'm not saying there's anything contradictive. What I'm saying is you're seeing a different perspective because he's remembering back. When he wrote the book of John, he was remembering back looking upon his Savior as an 18-year-old. Okay, we can have friendships. Me and Tommy can be, have a friendship. But I, had a, I have a friendship with, and it'll be different. We'll be cordial. We'll be, have friends. We'll talk and stuff like that. I have a friend. His name's Michael. We've been friends since the eighth grade. I still, I see him maybe, well, lately I've been seeing him a lot. He works at somewhere I go in and do repairs at. But there is a difference in our relationship because I remember how close and tight we were growing up and we grew up together. You got to remember, John grew up under Christ. He truly grew up and he has this, he has this different feel when you read John. There's just a different feel about it's, it's almost a passionate feel. Uh, Luke is a doctor. When you read his, everything's precise and to the point. Yep, very detailed. John is like, man, this is the one I, who loved me. This is the one I love. And if, let's go ahead and start jumping in this or we'll never get through the chapter because we're going to hit the whole chapter. <laughs> you know I go do that. It says very first, in the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God, and the word was God. We've talked about this before. This was showing all the way back the word. Who is the word? Jesus. And in the beginning, he was already here. And he, is, he was in the beginning. He was there, and he is now. He is always the word has always been with God because it's God breathing, it's God's Son. We got to understand that every tittle and every dot and everything, yes, let me tell you, chapters, verses are for our ignorance. These were written in letters. There wasn't no end of chapters and stuff because I don't think there was breaks in what Christ wanted to say. Jesus is the true word. 
Jesus is a word that just spills out. When you get that little inkling, you sitting there reading the word, and you're all up in the word, and you all of a sudden he reveals something. He's revealing something of himself through what? The Holy Spirit. Just think about that. When you get a new revelation of God's word, you're getting a new revelation of Jesus. You see why John, he's a little bit different in how he describes Jesus. He's a little bit deeper, you know, relationship-wise in how he talks about Jesus. But in the beginning was the Word, the Word was God, and the Word was with God. He existed in the beginning, verse 2, with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. We're talking about everything on this, on this planet. When God was sitting there and forming the elephant and the giraffe and, and the prickly pear and everything else, Jesus was right up in the middle of it, right? Jesus has, he, what John's trying to get through is he's been since the beginning. We've talked about that when we were talking about the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit was in the beginning because of how going, and there was all three of them. And when also when God says, let's make man in our image, God's talking about him and the Son, Jesus. He's saying, make man in our image. But Jesus was a part of everything. We always read in Genesis, and we think that uh, what's going on is uh, God's sitting up there all alone. No, he's not. Everything was being formed and fashioned. The earth being formed and fashioned. The stars being spread across the sky. Everything. Jesus was involved with it from the beginning. The word gave life to everything that was created. And his life brought light to everyone. I like that. I like that a lot. His word. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. Jesus is life. John's skipping forward right there. He's like, okay, He helped create. He breathed into everything, and every creation, it, because of Him and the breath breathed into it, it's because of Him that there was life. But because of His life, We've received the light because of his life. He breathed life in, but then his life gave the light. The word gave light. Uh, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. We talk about how dark this world is today. Jesus is going to shine forward no matter what. Darkness surrounds all of us. It's all over the place. There's dark thoughts. There's dark actions. There's all sorts of stuff. But it will not prevail. It shines in the darkness. And the darkness will not extinguish it. In other words, darkness can try all it wants to. It can try to push him under, uh, 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 push him, snuff him out. They did try to snuff him out, didn't they? Didn't they try to snuff him out? He was flickering real real low there three three days in a tomb. But when that rock rolled away, it was like the sun burst forth and the light shined. He is our light. I'm going to talk a little something about, I think we've talked about it a little bit here about darkness and our walk as a Christian. When you think of backsliding, what's the one word you think of instantly? Huh? Sin. Thank you. Do you know backsliding is actually not the sin? We put up no. Well, you got to think about it. In the Christian walk, what are we doing? We're either what? Going forward or going backwards. You're never still. The farther you get away from the light, what happens to you? You go into what? Darkness. I did an example of this one time with 
when I was a children's pastor, we had a light, and then I walked back, and I kept walking back away from it into the puppet booth, and it was totally dark, and the kids couldn't see it. And I said, look, and the whole thing about it was that action of going backwards led me into darkness. Darkness led me to sin. So many times we, we have brothers and sisters that do have rough times. I've gone through rough times. I've gone through times, I can tell you, and I'll be honest, I did, wasn't trudging forward. Well, guess what? I started trudging backwards. And I did, wasn't trying to go backwards, but I'm sliding away from the light. He is our true light. And the farther away you get from him, the farther in the darkness you keep going. And that's when you got to have brothers and sisters that come alongside of you or you have family members that put their arms around you, don't chastise you, don't judge you, don't do any of that stuff. What they need to do is put their arms around you and, go, and be honest and say, I've been there because I know I have. And say, let's start walking forward again. I don't care what has been trying to grab a hold of you in this darkness. I don't care what's been going on. We're going back toward the light, the light of the world. Because this darkness will not affect it. If we had more brothers and sisters in Christ who would come alongside our fellow brothers and sisters instead of going, mm, 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 I would have told you so. And I'm not saying that's done here, okay? Please, I have not seen that here. I've seen nothing but love at Destiny Church. That's why we are here. But I've seen it in the Christian world. It's, oh, I dig you's going to do that. I knew you was going up in the, down this road. They don't need to hear that. When I had a rough patch, I never had one person do that because I did. They would have saw an old side of me. It ain't for us to ever judge, because that's trying to put yourself on his level. He is the ultimate judge. I'm not. I'm supposed to come alongside you, put my arm around you, and say, Brother, I love you enough to let you know that we're going to go. You're going to forget about that. We're going to get you out of that. We're going to go, and I am going to come alongside you. Same thing with you, with the ladies. There's no judgment. There's We know you had that chance. We know something. I know something was bothering you. We don't need to know everything. That was a funny thing about being a pastor. People come down for prayer, and they wanted to spill the guts. I don't want to know. I never wanted to know. What's, I, but I had several brothers and sisters in the church go, you just need to let it out and just confess. Not to us. What you need to do is tell the Father, I'm sorry. Go in your closet. That's the truth. If you, even though kneeling right here can be a closet, but we have no right. What we need to do is come along, put our hand on their back, put our hand on their head, and just pray God's power down on them. No conviction, no chastisement. We need to let the light shine because when people are in darkness, they need to be guided out. We like what one of our favorite shows on Sunday afternoons is Northwood's Law. And these people love to get lost up in them hills. And you can just see it on these game wardens' faces. Ooh-wee, I get to go save somebody. How far are they up there? Uh, he's got a broke ankle, and he's four miles up. Then the missed trail, the and the whole thing is they have to go get them. But usually by the time they get them, what's going on? It's dark. And once it gets dark, what happens? They turn on their lights. We have to go in, and we got to go to our brothers and sisters. We got to go into the lost, and we got to learn to put our arms around them and say, we love you. Another discussion we were having out in the foyer, what is the number one commandment? To love God and to love others. We love, 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 love. If we love people enough, there shouldn't be a lost person around you, and you don't have to whisper a word of Scripture to them. 
You can tell them about Jesus and tell them what he's done for you. And when we take that foundation and we go into this world and we put our arms around lost people, we put our arms around uh, brothers and sisters that have backslidden. I'm not saying sin, but have backslidden. What we need to do is put our arms around them and be those game wardens that are like a Northwoods Law and turn our lights on and go, look, his lights, you know, what's the children's song? This little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. Guess what? Turn it on and shine your way out of that darkness while holding on to your brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen? That's what we need to do, and that is a key foundational thing. we got to have enough faith that God will work with us and work on us and use us. Right here, the light of the world. He's talking about the light of the world. We need to share it. We don't need to be hiding it under a basket. Or as it says in the Bible, under a bushel. I could just, I, my dad had an old cotton bushel basket. I could imagine what would have happened if I ever would have wanted to test this theory because it would have caught on fire probably. <laughs> but the whole thing, you don't want to hide your light. You don't go walking down off that hill and turn your light off. When I go hunting, and when I come out in the evenings, I got one of them little headlight things on too. Because it gets dark in them woods, you don't know which way to go. You can put your head down, look up, and walk into that tree stand a hundred times. Know it like the back of your hand. And if it's a good dark night, and you're good and lost, and it's good and dark, you're going to get turned around. And you ain't going to find your way out. But when you got the light or you got that brother and sister that's going to come alongside you with their light and guide you out, you can be that brother and sister also. It is the light. Jesus, he's our word. He is the light. His life became our light. Now in verse 6, let's move on because I'm gonna, I, we're going to probably break this into two weeks. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. Oh, Cousin John. Now, a lot of people call him John the Baptist. I call him Cousin John because that's what he was. He was Cousin John. He knew about Jesus. Who else could proclaim him better than the one that leaped in his mama's womb when Jesus came in the room in his own mama's womb? John went forth and proclaimed. John's whole job on this earth was to proclaim the coming Messiah. I can, uh, we've talked about this also before. Can you imagine being 10, 11, 12 years old? John's already been filled with the Holy Spirit in his mama's womb. John already getting an inkling, and he's looking at Jesus going, When? When? You know, they're playing tag or something. When? He's going to be like, I just tagged you. He's going to, no, when? And then he says, well, you ain't going to answer that. I'm going to go out. I'm old enough now, Mom, Dad. I'm gone. I'm going to leave. I got to tell the world that the Messiah is coming. And he goes out and he tells. John was crazy. John was one of these that, I guarantee you, John the Baptist walked up in a Neo, I mean, in a traditional Christian church today, they'd run him on a rail because this man ate locust and honey. He wore, it'd be like the hobo walking in here. I mean, but I, guess what? I have never seen a judgment in this place. But there's many churches that will, and it shouldn't be because you never know who that person, I mean, that person coming in may have been directed to come in here. It may have been someone who is going to not only get blessed, but be a blessing to the church. And I ain't talking about whipping money out or anything. You never know how someone off the street come in. Next thing you know, the things he's doing in the church, he's getting active in and the blessing he can become in the church. John, crazy man, out there just screaming about his cousin. 
but he ain't proclaimed who exactly he is. But he's saying, hey, the Messiah is coming. He is coming. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world did not recognize him. And the whole thing also. He came into the world. He had helped Father create the whole world and everybody and everything. And there had been writings about him. Jewish, Jewish tradition, in, in the Jewish tradition, they were looking for him, especially at that time because of the Romans. They were being occupied, and they all had the mentality of a David coming through from the clouds, coming in with an army and setting them free. We read in Scripture, you read throughout Isaiah, you realize how he's going to come into the world. The prophet Isaiah tells he's going to come in lowly. He's going to come in he's, as a child. He's, but they don't look for it. They were blinded of it. So many times when we, we can get that same way in our walk. So many times we can be looking for stuff and thinking something's going to be a certain way. And the Lord's trying to work a total different way. And we're not listening. We're not being diligent and watching. Too many times we're running off at the mouth, complaining, instead of looking and waiting and knowing that he's under, got it under control. goes back to that faith thing, that foundational thing, our faith in him. We need to let God be God. We need to let him work how he wants to work in us. I'm fixing to go somewhere I don't want to. You'll hear that in a few weeks. But we need to let him be God. We need to recognize him in the little things. The world didn't recognize Jesus. to the point they put him on a cross. They didn't recognize that their Messiah was in front of their face. One day they thought he was a pretty cool cat and they're waving palm fronds all around him and everything. And a couple days later they're yelling crucify him. The world truly did not recognize him for who he was. They had eyes on him military term I got eyes on him got eyes on the enemy I got eyes they had eyes on him they saw him they saw people that he touched they saw people that he healed they saw little girls that were uh, uh, raised from the dead they saw the things that he performed and they didn't recognize him Our foundation of faith. Do you realize how great our faith is? Because no one is alive from that day. We've never seen him walk. We've never seen him teach. We've never seen him heal. But we can read his word. We can read him. We can let his light shine in us. Do you realize how much faith that takes? Honestly, truthfully. We have that great of faith. People go, well, I don't know how if I got much faith. I, I'm trying. You got a great faith. Do you believe in Jesus Christ? Yes. Okay. When did you talk to When did you see him? When did now, we have a faith that God sent his only begotten son to this earth for us. He died, rose three days later, ascended into heavens at the right hand of the Father. We don't question that. 
Why? Because we have faith. And that is the foundation. Jesus. When we have faith in him and that he can take care of our needs, yes, we're going to struggle. I'm not a prosperity person. Would I like to prosper? Yes, I do like to prosper in my work, in my home, and everything. But I'm not one of these prosperity name it, claim it guys. I don't believe in that. I believe the Lord provides. I don't need an airplane when you can buy me an airplane ticket. I don't need a Mercedes when you can give me a, a, a Chevrolet. I don't need a 15-bedroom house when... Just me and my wife could live in a two-bedroom house. I don't need to live on Lake Martin when I can live on Lake Jordan. But the whole thing is we got to have faith no matter what it is. Our, our Lord heals. Our Lord provides. He is all of those. You take all the names, that's what he is for us. He is our provider. He is our healer. He is our peace. That's what I've had to grasp after over the last few years was him being my peace because I didn't have peace. I had a lot of internal turmoil, but I had to have faith in him. I had to have faith that my Jesus loved me so much that he died for me and that he wouldn't just die for me for no reason, that he would die for me so I could fall up under the Father and because of the Father being what? He is my peace. He is my provider. He is everything. And I have faith in him. I have faith in this word. That's our foundation. Again, pastor, in the foundation and the word faith, it all goes back to this and Jesus. Next, it says, But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with physical birth, resulting from human passion or plan, but the birth that comes from God. In other words, born again. You go down one creature, and then you come up another. In other words, you go down as being a child of the world, and you come up as a child of God. Now, I'm, I'm just saying come up. It don't mean you have to be baptized instantaneously. I'm not going to get into that. But what I'm saying is when you accept Jesus, the rebirth takes you from a child of the world to a child of God. You are rebirth. Old, old things pass away. Old things go away. We don't yearn. Yes, it's going to take time because, yes, we live in this. My flesh is what? Weak. But what's strong? Amen. You remember when you became a Christian? Woohoo! Spiritually, spirit, the internal. It was like, mm, if you had any type of physical stuff like smoking cigarettes, drinking, blah 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 blah, did it instantly jump off of you? Probably not, because there was flesh that was, and there was still the flesh. The spirit is strong. It's going to take a while. It takes a while. It's could it be instantaneous? Yes, I know a man in the church. I know his testimony about that. He's one of my spiritual fathers. And he ain't never smoked one again after he got saved in that one night in a truck. But I can tell you, he had to let the spirit overcome the flesh part. He was, ma'am, he had faith. He knew God would take care of him. And that's what we got to do. We come up anew. We become new. We become uh, the right to become children of God. Joint heirs to the kingdom. Joint heirs to the kingdom. I like how, but also soon we're to be the bride. Amen? 
be the bride. Yeah. No. Unless you're a Marine. No. No, you don't. You don't. But you may have to do some washing. Now, now, I'm not saying that you're going to wash your sins away. No, what I'm saying, you know what I meant. You're going, it's going to take some doing to get some of this stuff out. You might not have to shout it out. Amen. So the world became human and made his, uh, I mean, the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory and the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Here, John starts to address, we have seen the Messiah. He is no longer the coming Messiah. He has come to earth. He has put on flesh, and he's walking the earth. We have seen him. We have seen the glory fall upon him. John testified about him when he shouted to the crowd, this is the one I was talking about when I said, someone is coming after me who is far greater than I am for he existed long before me. See, John realized Jesus was more than his cousin that he leaped in the womb over that he was in the womb of Mary. He realized Jesus was the beginning. He was in the beginning. He was the word. He was the word in the beginning. He was part of the beginning. He helped in the creation. He was trying to address. He addressed it. He didn't just say, here comes the coming Messiah. No, he said, this is someone that has been around way longer than me. Who was born first fleshly? John. And John is proclaiming he has been around way longer than me. I guarantee you people were completely confused. Completely confused. From his abundance, we have all received one gracious blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. Whoa, that sounds like what we were talking about out there again. God's love. The example that we're supposed to have. God's love. It says first and foremost that uh, the, the, the laws came through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness comes through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, and he loves us, and he loved us enough he sent Jesus Christ. He, Jesus didn't come to do away with the law. He came to what? Fulfill. In other words, instead of having to offer sacrifices because you couldn't stand up or hold to a certain standard, now, I'm not going through hitting all the Levitical laws about anything from not eating pork, uh, pigtails to uh, making sure you don't have mold in your house. I'm talking about those ten. We talked about this out there, didn't we? Those ten. If we are truly believers of Christ and we have that foundation of Christ and we have the love in our heart, and as Jesus says again, he said, what is the great, uh, he asked, I mean, they asked him what the greatest commandment was, and he said to love. If we truly loved our neighbor, would you ever murder them? Would you ever covet them? Would you ever, if you truly love your parents, you would honor them. If you truly loved God, would you ever put a God ahead of him? You take those, and Jesus' words about love after he said that was, and on this, all the others hinge. In other words, everything else hinges on love. And if we have that love, we're going to keep ourselves out of all this other. When we have his love, I can tell you, I've struggled at times. I've struggled. I get upset with people. But I have to love them. Don't mean I got to like them. 
but I got to love them. If they don't know Jesus, I got to love them enough to bite my tongue and my lip and look at them and let them know about Jesus. We got to love people. When we love how Jesus told us to love, could you imagine what this world would be like? And please don't start singing the Beatles song. I already knew it was going through someone's head. But that's the whole thing. We need to learn to just love. Realize the most unconditional love went to a cross before he ever knew you. He reached his arms out. And he felt everyone, I don't know if he looked or not, but he felt all three of those nails unconditionally for you. You realize, you know, he told a parable about leaving the 99 and going after the one. Basically, this is what he's saying. I would have went to the cross just for you. That is such love. And if we can't build our foundation on that, we need to go find it, get it as our foundation, and start building on it. You got you need to check and make sure that Jesus, that love is just radiating in you, and you understand how much he loves you. And as a father, I have a daughter. I know I have a son. It'd be exactly the same way. For me to send my child to be a sacrifice for an ungrateful world, that's even greater love. Because the only thing God wanted was us back. And he looked at his son and said, son, I want him back. And he says, I know what we got to do. And he says, yes, you do. And he came down here, and he died for each and every one of us. Just so the Father could have us back. He loves us that If that isn't your foundation, you need to check. You need to check. If your foundation is, I like worship songs, and they're pretty, and they make me feel tingly and everything, nothing against worship music, and I'm doing the sound and stuff like that, I just grab that. Or I like working with children. Or I like being a, I'm just going to hit everybody, door greeter. We could be door greeters all day long and our foundation be so screwed up. We got to make sure our foundation is right. What we do in the Lord's sight or do for him, working in the church, whether it's from the pasture, down. All of our foundations have to be right. Brother Bo was talking about how we build stuff up on our foundation and how he was talking about his friend's house and how they had to tear it down because they couldn't. They were surprised the roof, you know, was even still over the house and all that stuff. And that's the whole thing. If we got unstable building on our foundation, it's good, but we need to tear it down and start building again and building up. But know what our foundation is. Peter, who did they say I am? You're the Messiah. Tommy, who did they say he is? Or who do you say he is? He's my Savior. He's my Jesus. That's what we got to understand. So many times we put him aside. So many times we do churchy stuff. So many times in our foundation, we slide off our foundation. We got to stay on that foundation. We got to keep having faith. No one has ever seen God. We're wrapping up. We're actually getting through it. No one has ever seen God but that he, but the unique one, Jesus, who is himself God, is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. 
Jesus did reveal God. So many people thought, I mean, throughout, you read the Old Testament. You had to be special. You had to be cleansed. You had to, you had all these things before you could even come in the presence. And when God did come in your presence and you weren't right, some people keeled over. But Jesus opened the world up to us. I mean, God opened God up to the world. One, his blood did what? Cleansed us. Two, he revealed the Father while walking on this earth. I think about the story of... um, Okay, I just went blank. <laughs> I think about, oh, good gracious. I'm having a blank moment right now. Um, one of his best friends who died in the tomb, I cannot believe it. His brother, Lazarus. <laughs> when he went to him, raise him he didn't do it because it was his best friend sitting in the tomb what was one of the last words he says I do this to glorify you when he's praying to the father when he's weeping he wasn't weeping because his friend had died he was weeping because of everybody's unbelief we just need to realize that God loved us so much he would do anything for us. And he did. We need to set our foundation in that strong. We need to bury our post in it and start building from that. God so loved you, he gave him his only begotten son. You love others. And then we go into the Great Commission. Go ye therefore into all nations. That ain't just talking to the preacher or the evangelist or to the Sunday school teacher. The Great Commission was to every single believer. That's why I like to call this the go-ye gospel. We're supposed to go with it. But our foundation, again, is Jesus and our faith in him. pastor talked about the blind man and him spitting and putting the mud on his face. It took a lot of faith for that blind man to get well, one, he didn't know the mud pile was coming. Then two, not get upset but had enough faith that he would walk over to that pool and go and wash it off like Jesus just told him. Do you realize how many tricks and different things possibly was played on that man? Have you ever seen beggars and if you've ever been overseas or anything and you see these, you see people like this on, I mean, on street corners, you could tell they are not the normal day panhandlers that we have like in Montgomery. These are people that this is everything. What's around them, everything. But you see people pick on them. You see people make fun of them and everything. Can you imagine all that? All that years, all those years, he had been picked on. And and then all of a sudden, this strange man comes up, spits in some dirt, spreads it on his face, and says, go wash it off, and you'll see again. Tell me how much faith that man had. Tell me how much faith he had. When sometimes we get a cold, and we'd rather go by the Tylenol cold and sinus then pray to the Lord we have financial trouble and we instead of praying to God we go down to advanced America and oh, I shouldn't have said the company's name but we go down to uh, one of these check cash check places and go get us $250 so the lights don't get turned off instead of trusting in the Lord this was a blind man and had probably been made fun of his whole life gets mud thrown in his face and say, go wash it off, you'll see. 
And what did he do? He didn't question. He didn't nothing. He got up, went washed off, and he could sing. We need to have faith. Foundational faith in our Savior. Amen. John, this, the whole book of John's my one of my favorite books. But John 1 speaks the gospel totally and tells you exactly who Jesus is in us. I'm going to ask uh, if you have any questions, anybody got any comments, anything like that. Who's the candles? And who is the candles? No, who? He's the light. Who's the candle? Huh? We're the candles. Go back reading about the candles and the candlesticks removing, you know, the seven candles. You know, it's we are the candles. His light has to, he's the one that's got to light us. Amen. But the, yeah. And it just shows. It's, and you think about that, and you think about times, and I'm not trying to get into eschatology and stuff like that, but you see how dark the world is getting. We're the only light. We have to be the candles, and his light has to be shining from us. Amen? I like that, Donald. Thank you.